This is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Lessons from the One is the sermon title, and uh, there's an outline, a brief outline in your bulletin this morning. This is a great story for Thanksgiving. Matter of fact, I think I come back to it about every other year. Um, and, and I tell you, I am so tempted to think of this as a parable, but it's not a parable. This really happened. But all the contents of it, all the, the details make it sound like, you know, something that, that Jesus is trying to teach us, uh, a lesson like a parable, but this, is a, this really happened. Luke 17, verses 11 through 19, lessons from the one. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. Galilee's in the northern country, kind of up around Capernaum and Nazareth, where Jesus spent most of his ministry. Samaria's in between Galilee and down in the south where Jerusalem and Bethlehem and those places are. So he's, he's progressing southward from Galilee through Samaria toward Jerusalem. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then said Jesus, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Jesus referred to him as a foreigner because he was a Samaritan, not a Jew. He said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Literally, the Greek word there is sozo. It's, it means saved you. Literally, your faith has completed you, made you whole, made you well, saved you. Only one returned out of ten, and he was a Samaritan. Sounds like the parable of the Good Samaritan, doesn't it? But it, this is a real story. And so we're going to learn the differences between this and a parable and, and uh, why Jesus did what he did. Let's bow together. Fathers, we come this morning to consider lessons from the one of the ten lepers who was healed and came back to give thanks, literally throwing himself down at your, at your feet prostrating himself on his face. God, help us take that approach at, at Thanksgiving and offer you our worship, our worship and our praise and our thanksgiving for the blessings that are ours. Too numerous to mention, and so oftentimes we don't mention them at all, any of them. But this morning, we just want to thank you for life and health, for salvation, for a relationship with you made possible through Jesus Christ, for our freedom in this great country, bought at such a price, for the freedom we have to worship you today, and for the opportunity we have to tell others about you. Let us not take any of these blessings for granted this week. In Jesus' name, amen. What do you do at Thanksgiving? Eat? That's the number one answer. I've been thinking about Family Feud this week. A hundred people were surveyed. What do you do at Thanksgiving? The number one answer is eat. What else? Sleep. sleep that's right. <laughs> after, after tryptophan in Turkey, we sleep. Watch football. Be thankful. There's a child who said be thankful. That's right. And the reason why that, that number is way down on the list is because 
You know, I, I kind of stop and think about what we do on Thursday. We sleep, we, uh, family comes in, or we travel somewhere, and uh, we sit down to a Thanksgiving dinner, and, and we might say a 30-second blessing. Maybe if somebody goes on and on, it's 45 seconds. And uh, if it's 45 seconds, then the mother is getting worried because the food's getting cold, the father's getting worried because he's hungry, and the children are getting worried because they've never sat still for 45 seconds before. So 45 seconds is pushing it. And then we eat, and then we watch TV, we clean up the dishes, we sleep, and then we come back in for leftovers and maybe have another 30-second blessing. So all in all, on a day that's called Thanksgiving, we might give thanks for, what, 60 seconds, a minute and a half overall. And it's pretty pitiful. It's pretty sad. And I, I, I think what Thanksgiving is meant to be is, in addition to giving thanks on one day out of the year, is to prepare us to give, to give thanks, to be thankful the other 364 days. To put us in an attitude, a posture of thanksgiving where we recognize the source of our blessings and, and have the opportunity to give praise to God for those blessings. Thanksgiving, and the lesson that I've learned from this story is it's not just giving thanks for things that we've received in the past. For this one Samaritan who came back and threw himself down at the feet of Jesus, Jesus says, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved you. It's made you whole. It's made you complete. And, and what Jesus is telling him is because you were thankful for something that has happened to you in the past, you are being prepared for something even greater in the future because you recognize the source of those good gifts as coming from God. There were 10 lepers in a village between Galilee and Samaria. And because it was between that area, there were Jews and Samaritans together. Ordinarily, Jews and Samaritans would have never had contact with one another because the Jews considered the Samaritans unclean. But when everybody has leprosy, everybody's unclean. So ritual purity was the furthest thing from their minds that day. Leprosy was kind of like AIDS in their day, in the early days of AIDS. No one knew how it was transferred. It was a slow an agonizing death, leprosy ate away at your skin. And it began with the extremities, sometimes your toes, sometimes your fingers, sometimes your ears, just slowly eating away until, until you were dead. And it was a, a terrible, painful way to die. And since nobody knew how it spread, they isolated lepers out in colonies, out in, in areas alone by themselves. And if anyone came Within 10 feet of a leper, he had to shout, unclean, unclean, to keep people from approaching him and perhaps contracting that dreaded disease themselves since they really didn't know how it was spread. It was a terrible, terrible disease. Verses 11 and 12, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee, and he entered a village. He was met by 10 lepers. Why as he entered the village? Because they would be on the edge of the village. They would not have contact with the people inside the village. They were on the outskirts, um, in, in caves, in temporary dwellings, just, um, just barely living, who stood at a distance, exactly what lepers did. Well, the first thing I want you to see here is that they found support 
from one another. Have you ever thought about what would have happened if the 10 lepers had not gathered together? If it had been one leper here and one leper over there and one leper over here in, in 10 separate isolated locations, these lepers came together and found support and encouragement in the midst of this dreaded disease by being together. It's like misery loves company. You know, they, they share a, a common fate. They share a, a common illness. It's kind of like support groups that, that develop today with people that have rare and unique illnesses. And they come together and, and share that and find encouragement and, and have fellowship in the midst of their suffering. And, I, you know, I read that and I, I think Christians do that too. Christians find support and encouragement not by going off by themselves, but by coming together and worshiping God, by being in God's house, by serving Him alongside one another. When someone is grieving, when someone is sick, when someone is hurting, a lot of times when they're depressed, they'll go off by themselves, and that's the last thing. That's the worst thing that you can do. When you need support, find a church fellowship. Come into that church and let those fellow Christians hold you up when you can't walk alone by yourself anymore. When you need a shoulder to lean on. You find that in Christian fellowship. Well, one of the 10 lepers heard about Jesus. And so they didn't, they didn't know all the stories about him, maybe everything that he had done that had been true. And, and so when he arrives at this outskirts of this village between Galilee and Samaria, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And he heard them. He heard them. Once again, if, one, if just one had been crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us, he might have heard him. But the fact that there were 10 together, shouting together, it's much more likely that, that they were able to get his attention and that he heard them. And that reminds me of prayer, incidentally. You know, if one person prays, God hears you. But if you have 10 people praying, he hears you even better, I think. So when you have a need, share it. Pray. I was doing a funeral yesterday for Elizabeth Gordon, and I used her Bible, and in the back of her Bible, she had lists of people that she prayed for every day. Every person in her Sunday school class was in that list. Um, friends from the past was in that, were in that list, and, and uh, when she told you she prayed for you, you knew that she would, and uh, those names were in there. The more people you have praying, the louder the voice that God can hear. So there's power in that fellowship. There's, there's strength in suffering when you are with others. And that's what the 10 lepers had. And they had the courage to cry out to Jesus. And he heard them. Master, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Verse 13. They had heard reports of Jesus healing miracles as he approached between Galilee and Samaria on the outskirts of this village. And they had nothing to lose. Why not? Jesus, Master, have mercy on us because God can always work a miracle. Jesus, up until this point, had never cured anyone of leprosy before. But he had done a lot of other things and they hoped and cried out to Jesus that he could cure leprosy too. And so Jesus tells them, go and show yourselves to the priests. Why priests? Because priests were the doctors in that day. Priests were 
the only ones who had any education. Priests were the ones who declared if you were ritually pure or unclean. And leprosy is a disease that rendered you unclean. You could not make sacrifice. You couldn't come in the temple. You couldn't even associate with, with other Jews. So the priests were the ones who determined by examination whether you were cured, whether you were clean and ritually able to come into the temple and offer sacrifice and worship God. But Jesus says, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, at this point, nothing has happened. Nothing has happened. And the lepers could have looked at one another and said, why should we go and show ourselves to the priests? Are you cured? No. Are you, are you, no, nothing's happened. But they obeyed. And in their obedience, in the journey, in the process of hearing Jesus' command and going and showing themselves to the priest, what happened? A miracle happened. They were cleansed. And it was in the, in the process of being obedient. As they were being obedient, the miracle came and they were made whole. You know, a lot of times we ask God for things and we aren't being obedient. A lot of times we want God to do something for us and we've been disobedient in what he's already told us to do. God's not going to tell you to do something you cannot do. God's going to tell you to do something that you can do, but it takes a step of obedience. It takes a step of faith. And in that step of faith, God's going to be with you. And whatever he asks you to do, you can do. And in that step of faith, in that act of obedience, the blessing will come. Not before, but in the process. You can do it. And so the ten go, and on the way to the priest, which would have been at the synagogue in the middle of the city, they're entering the city. They could not go in unless the leprosy was, was being cleansed or being healed. And on their way, they look and they see that their fingers are being restored, their toes, their ears, um, different parts of the body, the, the white flaking away of flesh is leaving and, and warm red flesh is returning. One came back out of the ten. Nine Jews, one Samaritan. The one Samaritan came back. And this to me is where it sounds like a parable. It sounds like the parable of the good Samaritan where one who was a foreigner is praised by Jesus and all the others are not. But this really happened. It reminds me of a story of uh, the fact that this one man came back. Reminds me of a story, you know, how could you not be thankful for what God had done for you? A man sitting on a park bench one day and he's obviously depressed. Have y'all heard this story? He's obviously depressed and, and a policeman sees him and comes up and says, buddy, what's, what's wrong? And he says, he says, two months ago, my, my grandfather died and left me $100,000. And the policeman said, well, that's nothing to be depressed about. And the man said, yeah, but you haven't heard the end of it. He said, a month ago, I had a great aunt who died that I didn't even know left me $150,000. And the policeman said, well, well, why are you depressed? And the man said, well, you haven't heard at all. He said, this month, so far, not a cent. <laughs> you see, how much like that man are we? God, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> what have you given me today? You know, I'm, 
I've already forgotten about everything that you gave me two months ago, everything you gave me last month. I want to know what you, why haven't you done this for me today? I wonder if we don't seem a lot like that man to God. We are so much like the nine, aren't we? And so unlike the one who realizes the blessing from Jesus and comes back. I mean, all the nine, I'm sure, had good excuses. They got things to do. They had families to return to. They had businesses to pick up on. They had relationships to restore. They had debts to pay. Every one of those nine had a good excuse for not coming back to Jesus. But it wasn't good enough not to be thankful. And it says in verse 16, he came back and fell on his face. The Greek word is proskuneo. It literally means to worship. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet and worshiped him and gave him thanks. He blessed the Lord. He thanked him for the blessing that God had given him. He realized the source of the miracle. And he went back and thanked God for it. And Jesus asks that telling question. We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Verse 17. Where are the nine? Didn't I heal ten? Only 10% returns to give me thanks. 90% goes on their merry way, oblivious of what I've done for them. That's, that's probably the odds today. It's probably 90% of the people in our world don't realize what God has done for them. 10% probably in church today, thanking God for his many blessings and what he's done for us. I, I mean, here we are, it's 8.30, it's 9.15 actually, Sunday morning, it's raining outside, Sunday before Thanksgiving, you could have been a hundred other places today. But we've gathered here today to give thanks to God because he has blessed us in so many ways. And in the act of Thanksgiving, this Samaritan, this lone Samaritan, received a greater blessing not only is he healed physically, but he's also healed by faith. Because Jesus said, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. So the Samaritan is the only one who was not only healed, but he knew how he was healed. He knew that he was healed because of his faith. He was saved because of his faith. And, and we aren't told if this Samaritan went out and, and gave a testimony about Jesus to others. I bet he did. And I wonder if the other nine, when they got home and their family said, how are you, what happened? How were you healed? I wonder if they even gave Jesus credit. If they told the story about how Jesus had blessed them. But I'm pretty sure this Samaritan did. Because he knew not only who did it, but why he did it. And how he did it. Because of his faith that made him well. Now, this is where I would differ from Jesus. And I'll tell you, I'm just being human here. What bothers me about this, this story, I start to say parable, what bothers me about this story is that the other nine stayed healed. The other nine stayed healed, didn't they? Do you remember the parable of the unforgiving servant at the end of Matthew 18? Uh, the unmer unmerciful servant, the parable. Uh, this, this servant comes in and owes this king 
10,000 talents, which is an astronomical debt. And the king says, throw him and his wife and children in prison. And the servant says, master, just have mercy on me and I'll repay you everything. And the king says, you know what? I'm just going to forgive your debt. And then that unmerciful servant goes out and runs into somebody who owes him a paltry sum of a hundred denarii, just a hundred denarii, just, you know, just a smidgen compared to the debt he was forgiven. And the servant, the one who owes him a little bit, can't pay him. And so he actually takes him and throws him in prison. Some folks see what happens and goes and reports to the king. And the king says, I forgave you. And yet you can't be, un- you can't be forgiving. You're going to prison too. I kind of thought that might happen in this, in this story. The nine who weren't thankful, maybe the leprosy came back. But no. And I know why. I know why. Because in the parable of the unforgiving servant, it was a parable. In this story of the ten lepers, it really happened. And so Jesus could tell a story where someone is punished for not doing what they ought to do. But when it came time with real life people, Jesus could not punish those. Who were, unf- who were unthankful to him because those were real life people and he's not gonna he's just he loves us too much to do that to somebody even when they mess up even when they make mistakes he can do it in a parable to make a point that didn't really happen he's just telling a story to teach us about the importance of forgiveness but here's something that really happened. And the nine stayed healed because Jesus isn't vindictive and he's not going to punish somebody for not being grateful. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. He he gives his love to all of us, whether we deserve it or not. Come to think of it, I don't know anybody who deserves it. He just gives it to all. So Thanksgiving is not just for looking back over our blessings and saying thank you. It also puts us in a posture to understand who and why. Who? God. Why? Because he loves us. And when we're in that proper posture, when we have grateful hearts, it just opens us up to even greater blessings. Not that God's going to give us any more than he gives people who aren't thankful. He, gives, he, share, he shares his love in abundance worldwide. He gives it to everybody. But when you realize who it's from and acknowledge it and say thank you, it just opens your heart to even greater blessings. I think this is the best thing in the world to know. This is the most important thing to know not only your salvation, but where it comes from and why. Not just your blessings, but the source of your blessings and why. Samaritan was the only one who learned that lesson that day. Your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has healed you. 
And I, I promise you that Samaritan went that day rejoicing, having worshiped, having fallen on his face at Jesus' feet and blessing him and learning that it was his faith that made the difference. Those other nine were healed, but they missed the greater lesson that Jesus gave the Samaritan. It was your faith. Because God loves you. He's done this for you. I hope this week as you count your many blessings, that you look at them and give thanks to God and realize that it's your faith and his love for you that made that possible. And in that process, point you to the future because with open hands, you're able to receive even more that he has in store. Let's bow together. God, none of us are worthy, but we pray you help us with our gratitude. Every morning when we wake up, we have something for which to be grateful. We have life and health and strength, and there are people perhaps watching by television today that don't have that, that um, would love to be in a house of the Lord today to give thanks, but are unable to because of uh, poor health and strength. Maybe they don't have a car or ride to get to church in. And so they're, they're thankful for what they have, and, and we who have even more, who have the privilege of being here in a free country, there are Christians around our world who are being persecuted for their faith. But you placed us here and given us the opportunity to, to be in a relationship with you, to come into this house, to worship you, and to throw ourselves prostrate at your feet and say, God, thank you. Thank you for, for blessing us, for the food that we have on our table and the scraps that we throw away for the clothes we have on our back, for the warm bed to sleep in and the roof over our heads and for a little bit of change in our pockets. We realize how blessed we are and most of all for the relationship we have with you through Jesus because someone loved us enough to tell us about him. Be forgiven of sins and have abundant life in this world and eternal life in the world to come. Look forward to that. But God, we just want to be open to you today and acknowledge that you are a great and loving Heavenly Father who loves his children with abandon. And we love you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing how great is our God. That's enough just to worship Him right now, just to thank Him for who He is. I'll be at the front here to receive you if you have a decision to make, professing your faith, rededicating your life, joining this church, whatever decision you come. We're going to stand and sing how great is our God. Let that be our praise, our worship of Him this day. Stand with me.